Healthcare and senior care is fraught with problems and challenges, but we're also seeing some amazing new clinical treatments and resources. This show will help illuminate and uncover the good, bad, and the ugly in order to equip patients, families, and other healthcare providers. Welcome to Senior Care Confidential. Good afternoon. It is Halloween afternoon. Got a lot of trick-or-treaters coming tonight. Um, You know, my neighbors on both sides like to dress up as witches. Their house is very scary. They've got tombstones in the yards. Just freaks out the kids. And they come Mm -hmm. to Joe's house with all the pumpkins and smiles (laughs) and rainbows (laughs) between the two houses. But today we are talking about a new story Earlier this month, about a nursing, I'm sorry, a funeral home in Colorado where 118 bodies were found that had never been properly buried or cremated. It's amazing. It's a horrible story. So, if we can roll the tape on this nurse, this funeral home. Something terrible has happened at the Colorado funeral home yet again. The sheriff in Fremont County says his deputies found human remains stored improperly at a funeral home east of Pueblo. Yeah, this sounds pretty serious. Nine News reporter Cole Sullivan is in Penrose tonight where people are waiting to learn more about what happened to their loved ones. People here in Penrose don't know what happened. They don't know how long human remains have been improperly stored inside the return to nature funeral home behind me. And they don't know whose remains they are. The sheriff's office isn't saying. But slowly, pieces of the mystery are starting to come out. Police tape around a hearse is not the only sign something is wrong here. Neighbors say they've noticed a smell. Depends on which way the wind's coming, but never paid a whole lot of attention to it. Didn't pay attention until the sheriff's office and FBI showed up. People who trusted this funeral home want to know what's going on. There's a lot of other people out there right now, just like me, who spent the morning crying. The sheriff's office set up a special hotline for people with questions about loved ones. This return to nature locations registration with the state expired last November. The other location in Colorado Springs has an active license and no complaints, but no one came to the door, answered the phone, nor replied to our email. The funeral home advertises green burials where bodies are not embalmed and are sometimes interred in wicker caskets. That's all legal. Colorado has infamously few laws regulating funeral services and is the only state that does not require licenses for funeral home workers. I feel so sorry for the people, the families. Now families here wonder and worry what more they'll find out. Lawmakers we've talked to say they already plan to introduce legislation to regulate people who work in funeral homes. As for what happened here, the sheriff's office plans a press conference tomorrow morning. Tonight, jail records do not show the people who own the company in custody. In Penrose, Cole Sullivan, Nine News. So here at Senior Care Confidential, you know, we talk about news stories. And this one particular news story, when I saw it on the news, I just about died, pardon the pun. But I was so shocked. I cannot imagine being a loved one grieving and you find out mom or dad is in a pile of bodies. I mean, it's just so horrible. And the worst thing is, is there is no, um, really no regulations in the state of Colorado. I know with home care, which I did, you know, Texas has more regulations than any other state other than Florida regulations to 
make sure that you're providing the very best care you can for our seniors. So you would think with a funeral home, there would be tons would, yeah. of regulations. So today we have a very special guest, Logan Roberts. She is a social worker representing Distinctive Life in Dallas. They have an excellent reputation. We are so honored to have you here today, Logan. I love that you're a social worker mm-hmm. and um, are working with grieving families, and that's got to be very rewarding, as difficult it as can be. So tell us what led you to working into the funeral industry. Well, first of all, thank you for having me here. This is exciting and fun to be here, especially on Halloween, talking about an industry that people may associate with Halloween. Um, I got into this field because I had experienced um, numerous loved ones passing away without any plans. And I was really, I was on the much younger side, so I didn't really understand the intricacies. Um, And then my owner, Zane, has been in this field and has just kind of been talking to me about it. And I finally decided to switch over from taking care of children and infants in the social work world to taking care of families and our aging population. That's awesome. So I remember when my grandparents were probably in their 50s, I was a little girl, but they bought their plot at um, Restland and they had everything planned for their death, that they, that was part of what you did, you know, as a mature, responsible adult. So they had their plots, they knew what they wanted in their services, they knew where they were going to be buried. Um and made sure the family knew what their wishes are. And, you know, I remember when my granddad died, it was so traumatic for my grandmother, but everything was already in place and already done. And all she had to worry about were the flowers and the obituary in the newspaper and that she was allowed time to grieve. And so I look now, you know, as a hospice nurse, so many families had hours for their loved one to take their last breath, and yep. they have absolutely no idea. It's a scramble. It's a scramble, yeah. that, and you are at the mercy of the funeral homes. So walk us through, what percentage of people plan pre-plan for a funeral? Sure. So the national average is about 40%, which is not as significant as we would like it to be. And I just want to applaud your family for taking the steps to pre-planning because it takes that burden off their survivors and their loved ones, like you said, so they can really focus on starting that grieving process. Um, We really want our families to spend that whatever time that they have left with their loved one with them, cherishing those memories, holding their hands, being there, brushing their hair out of their face, helping them, you know, in whatever way that they can, rather than sitting at a table, making those final arrangements. That's awesome. So walk us through um, the process. When you've received a call, let's say from a hospice chaplain in a family that a patient has passed and the family has decided to go with with distinctive life. Walk us through what happens. So when we get that call, if they don't have a pre-need in place, it's a very chaotic, quick-paced environment. Um, There's over 125 questions that have to be answered um, in that initial meeting with that funeral director. Things like, what's your social security? What's your mother's maiden name? Where was your father born? What is your father's middle name? Um, If they're in the Jewish community, would you like a Shomer? Would you like the Hever Kadisha? Do you want the Tahara? So there's a lot of questions that, that are thrown at them 
all in a row because you're on a you're on somewhat mm-hmm. of a tight time frame um, to take care of your loved one. Um, so when we receive that call, we reach out to our care team who comes and takes them into our care. Um, and then at the same time, our funeral director is reaching out to the survivors and the loved ones, um, arranging that first meeting. Once they come into the office, um, all these questions have to be answered in addition to what did your mom want? Did, they, did your mom want to be cremated or does she want a burial? Are you planning to scatter ashes? Are you guys going to divide the ashes among you? Um, do you have a plot? Um, what kind of casket do you think mom would want? Does she Is she environmental friendly and wants one that's going to decay faster? Or is she want, do you want one to match her personality? So there's a lot of individualized questions that goes into the process. And once the family selects that, then that's our job is to coordinate and carry out all those plans. So I like to say we kind of jump in and play party planner um, for that final party celebration of life, whatever um, comfortable term you like to use. And we arrange with the cemetery, um, with whoever's going to officiate at the um, ceremony or the service and all the loved ones to coordinate um, in a Okay. So four out of 10 have a a plan in place. I mean, so six out of 10 on average, are you finding that's consistent with y'all's too? Yes. Is that they come in without a plan and that these these are the ones that are having to scramble to get things handled? Yes. And not only the emotional side, but the financial side, Um, you know, we don't like to talk about death and dying. And so we don't talk about the things associated with it. Mm-hmm. So it is not inexpensive to die. And it, it it can be, you know, the national average, you know, varies greatly depending on where you are in the, in the nation. But um, on average, a cremation can be 1200 all the way up into the six to 8,000 range. And for a traditional burial, it can go up into the $30,000 range. And that money is all expected to be paid at the time before your loved one is buried. So the logistics of getting that money together mm-hmm. and how are you going to pay for that? So I would like to say that I'm pretty darn prepared. Like we've got living wills and trusts and uh, wills and you know my wife has all the passwords and all this kind of stuff <laughs> to all of our stuff. But this is one thing when we invited you on the show, I realized I had not done before because you don't really think about it. We talk, mm-hmm. well, she and I talk about verbally about you know, what do I want done? And I want to be cremated and I don't, I want to be involved because I don't want any blood. I want to make sure I'm dead before I, I go in the, the thing. And so she knows this stuff, but like, there's no plan for that. So what's the, what's the recommended age or is there one? Does it, should we be doing this like right alongside get doing our wills and our living wills? Or is this something you can wait until later? Like what's, what do you guys recommend? Well, you've taken the good first step yeah. of creating your living wills and your state planning and your power of attorneys and all those things. But yes, we should be thinking about taking that a step farther and, and planning for the whole, the finality of that end of life care. Um, so th- what I tell people is it's never too young to start planning. Um, unfortunately, it's the, the only thing in life that is guaranteed at this point mm-hmm. um, is death. And I always challenge people, if you find the fountain of youth, come back and let's share it with me. But right now, the only thing in life we can guarantee is death. And we have all these different insurances and policies and plans for the what ifs. What if right. we get cancer? What if we get sick? What if we get in an accident? We have all those insurances, but we don't think about the guaranteed and pre-planning for that. That's a great point. So mm-hmm. we really encourage people, you know. So what does that look like? So I go over to y'all with with my spouse and we would say, we want to put a burial plan or what is it's not a burial plan for cremation, but it's a moving on plan, whatever, <laughs> whatever we want to call that. Um, and so we come visit with you guys. Mm-hmm. 
you guys will then go through the whole questionnaire stuff with us. Yeah. So we plan all the, we get all as many answers as we can before time. So, um, we answer about 99% of the questions that a a funeral director would ask at the time of someone's passing in the pre-planning session. You get, yeah, you get to select all your casketing and all your flower arrangements and how you want your service to be carried out. You can even select your music. If you want an organist, a harp, harp, harp player. I don't know what they're called, a piano player. Um, we really walk through the process from start to finish. Um, and that way you're making that decision for yourself. And if you have someone with you, your partner, you guys are making those decisions together and you're not leaving that burden on your children. Sure. And then we also talk about the pre-funding piece and there's lots of different, um, options, um, in the way that you can pre-fund it. Okay, so Logan, let's go back to the news story. And I know the story said that Colorado didn't really have many regulations. What are some regulations in Texas that makes you the best stand, you know, the high standard? So, like you said earlier, Texas in everything, I feel like has some of the highest standards for regulations. Um, we are licensed and under the um, surmise or guidance of the Department of Insurance, the Department of Banking, and that is specifically geared towards the pre-funding and pre-need planning. And then also the Texas Funeral Commission, Commission regulates the burial, the laws and regulations regarding burials and cremations. Okay. So how often do they come and inspect? So um, we get audited at least once a year. Wow. More frequent than we are. Yeah. We used to be every two, now it's every three. Yeah. At least once a year, someone comes and audits our files and makes sure everything is the way that it should be. Okay. And they go through the room with the bodies and... Um, they go through the files and then they do a walk. <laughs> really just say well, that. I, I know it's true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the the bodies, like the yeah. Colorado had all those bodies, like you know. The idea is you're not supposed to have. Well, I just, think those, <laughs> I just think of those TV shows yeah. with the rooms you go in and they pull, like in the hospital. In the shows, hospital morgue. They, right. so they this, pull, this is yeah. the hospital morgue version. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, that's just what I imagine. Yeah. That when they get to the funeral home, they go into a little. Right. Place. Well, and you're not alone in those thoughts. When we give people tours of our funeral homes, I think that's what they're expecting is what we see on TV, the morgues with the rows yeah. and rows yeah. of the cold lockers. But really, it, it's that's not the environment that we have. Um, but when, when they do come and audit, they look at our files, they do do a tour of the funeral home to make sure everything, you know, there are chemicals involved um, when caring for mm-hmm. the deceased. And so making sure that those are, you know, where they need to be in a way in a way from the living and protected and kept in in the right. You guys places. do all that stuff there on site, the embalming, all that. Um, so we partner with some different companies throughout okay. the uh, Metroplex to do that. So um, we do have like a we have a prep room with a small locker, a cooling locker, so that um, we when we're doing our prep that they it helps the decompensation sure. from happening. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we have all those in place. So okay, so I'm in my forties. I plan mm-hmm. on being here for another 60 plus years. Mm-hmm. Great. So I'm putting a plan together now. Mm-hmm. What are the, how does that work? Is it like an insurance policy that I'm paying into if I prepay for stuff? Is it specific to your location? Like what if I move? Like what, what I, so when I'm yeah, thinking about like 60 years involved. These are all really great yeah. questions. So when you pre-fund your pre-planning, so I like to differentiate <clears> the difference because you can pre-plan and write down your final wishes, but you want to take it a step farther and pre-fund it and go ahead and pay in towards that 
final invoice. Um, And so what we do is the reason why we are regulated by the bank of uh, the department of insurance and the department of banking is because we use a third party entity that holds the, the policy members money and we don't get payment until we've carried out services and we've sent them the invoice for all of the services that we've performed. Even 50 years ago. Even 50 years ago. And it locks, it locks in the rate of today's pricing. So that's a financial benefit. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the benefit of using a third party is it protects your money from going to places it shouldn't. Um, and you also um, lock in your choices so that your loved ones aren't left guessing and feeling right. guilty. Like, should I have done this? Should I have done this one? I don't really know. So there's lots of benefits. What about in the case of moving? So I in live in Texas. Oh, yes. I, I hope to be here when I pass away. But if we move to, I don't know, St. Louis or Kansas City or Florida and my kids live there and I want to be there, mm-hmm. how do, is there a way to transfer that? Yes. So the pre-plan, um, that's the other benefit of going through that third party um, we use a, a a company called Homesteaders okay. is it's transferable anywhere in the United States. Gotcha. Okay. You know, thinking about safety, I, I know a lot of patients, you know, families that have a loved one that dies during the funeral, they hire someone to be at the house. Do you all recommend that? I have heard there's a lot of theft a risk for theft when family members are at a funeral. So this is oh. one of my safety soapboxes I get on. Um, so we all love to share news, whether it's positive or negative with everyone, right? Um, however, I am a big proponent of safety for the reasons that you said, which is why we do obituaries on our website so that it protects that confidentiality and the family is free to share that with whomever they want rather than the general public in a newspaper um, because there are people that do look through the obituaries for that specific purpose of going right. and causing harm to the family while they're grieving and going through the hardest time of their life. We also recommend when we're discussing um, plans, whether it's pre-need or at need, encouraging them to have someone that they trust in their home while they're at the funeral home and just being extra cautious, you know, around the funeral time and those first, you know, those first I couple never weeks have even months. considered that. Yeah. Unfortunately, wow. it's, it's a problem. It is. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes so, sense. I just and a lot of times there've been like hospice volunteers when I worked in hospice that would yeah. go if they didn't have anybody and just stay at the house yeah. okay. and clean up and wait for the equipment to be picked up or whatever. Yeah. But um, I think that's a nice service to offer. It is. That's really know. great that hospice, that they have volunteers that can do that yeah. too. So. so tell us, share a story of someone, uh, just a situation that you found joy as a social worker, working with a family. Do you have anything to share? Sure. So everyone asks me how I do what I do daily because they think that I'm constantly surrounded by death and dying, which I am. But the way that I view it is I am there to help the living. I am there to support their survivors and their loved ones through what is probably going to be one of their, unfortunately, worst days of their life losing a loved one, whether it's expected or unexpected. So I really take pride on walking the family through that journey. Um, You know, we have a lot of families that come back to us because they're so appreciative of how we walk them through as many times as we need to about the process and what's going to happen and support them after that burial. Okay, what's the next step? Because for a lot of... Um, aging population, maybe 
their husband passed away and their husband was the financial person that took care of everything. So really helping them understand, okay, this is what we need to do and this is what accounts we need to t- help you take care of. Here's the steps and really walking them through that. Are there are there legal documents with this? Like, is it an attorney? Like we got to do um, like a notary of public or whatever for these documents for the pre- Death stuff. So, um, your living wills and your estate planning is the legal documents that kind of direct the attorneys and the legal system where to um, how to split your. Correct. How about for y'all's end though, on the dying side. On the dying side, yeah. So the, the contract or whatever, whatever the the agreement is that we come up with, the with pre need plan, yeah. It's the, it's the pre what the pre need plan, pre need, yeah. It is honored and held by that third party entity. Got it. Okay. Does that answer your yes. question? Okay. Yes. So my granddad, um, he was from a very poor family in Alabama, and he always talked about his sister and three brothers. Always talked about them, their names. We knew their names, how they grew up, like what they played. His big story was, you know, they saved their pennies to buy a bike from one of the neighbors. And by the time they could afford it, it was too small for all of them. I mean, they were really poor. But I wound up going to the Archive Museum in D.C. My son and I were there. My son had a college visit. And um, we wound up going to this Archive Museum and looked up in records death certificates, like from people in our family. Like, you know, there's marriage certificates, there's death. Anyway, my granddad had twin brothers who were three when he was 14. Um, His other brother was 15, one was 12, 11, and his sister was in that age too. But we never heard anything about those twin brothers. So I don't know what happened to them. I don't know if they both got sick and died or they were given away. Uh, But it was very cool to see in the archives that he had younger brothers and we don't know what happened to them. And that's one of the neat things about the death certificates is that's what they use for those genealogy websites. So it's not only to document a loved one's passing, but it's also so that you can go back and trace that ancestry. Yeah, it's so cool. Like I wish I could go back and ask, Granddaddy, why didn't you talk about him? You know, but he was obviously ashamed, embarrassed, and I don't know what happened to them. But, Mm. uh, you know, I always wonder, but yeah, they were in that Fascinating. Yeah. Wow. On that death. How does someone get in touch with you guys? If they wanted, if they're like me and they feel like they had everything until today, we felt like we had everything <laughs> in place and now we're like, oh my gosh. Um, so how would somebody go about yeah, getting in touch with you? Yeah, you can just call the Distinctive Life office and that phone number is 972-424-1144 and ask to talk to me or another pre need specialist or if you have... Um, someone that is imminent, we would love to help you out and get that plan put in place for them as well. Very good. Awesome. Wow. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank this you. has been great information. And I know it's a hard topic to talk about, but it's so important to to make your wishes known. Absolutely. And I just encourage everyone to have these conversations with your family members, even your children. They don't want to hear it, but they will be very appreciative when your time comes that you've at least had that conversation. For sure. That's yep. great. Thank great. you, Logan, Thank so you. much. Thank Have you. a great afternoon. Thanks. Thank you, Brian. Thank you.